Well, good morning, good morning. It is great to be here. This is uh, a little bit of a weird experience because normally I'm right down here with my family. So uh, I'm excited. Uh, the longer this morning has gone on, the more excited I've gotten because here's the deal. I'm going to tell you a little bit of a background how this week and how this series and how this all comes together. And if you're not a real big, strong believer in the providence of God, I hope you get a little snippet of why uh, when we get involved in some of these things, it's, it, you can get fired up. So here's how this all played out. The teaching team gets a text message from Tom Vanderwell, like June 26 or so, somewhere in that ballpark. And basically it just says, the next sermon series is Hope. Charlie's going to talk in August. Think about, pray about, see where the Holy Spirit's going to lead you where you want to go. Same day, I knew exactly where I wanted to go. Now, what's interesting is, as we all started kind of sharing where we were going to go, no details, just this is kind of the title of where I'm going, this is kind of the stories, these are the scriptures. I hope that as we kind of weave through this and as we wrap this up today, you will see how God has had his hand on all of this. And then Tim and I, we did not have a single conversation about what I was going to say, what he was going to say. I hope that you will see how those two, these two messages are so intertwined. It is, I'm amazed. It's awesome. The worship songs, what Deb just shared. Do you think that just what she was led to in her personal devotions just happened to be just lined up with the song that I asked the worship team to, to sing, which was just this last one? Not so much, just by happen chance. But here's kind of what's interesting, because here we are in June, and here, well, back June when we got word that this is what we were going to do, and now here we are in September. I feel a little bit, in fact, I feel a lot like the kid in class who was told, it's not your turn to talk yet. So I've, gotta, I've had to kind of patiently wait my turn, so I'm like bursting at the seams to say something. And I, I tell you what, my dad was an auctioneer, and so I've been well-trained. So if I need to pick up the pace, we will. And if you don't catch something, go back and watch the last service online. You can see a review of it. You can put it in slow. You can slow it down and kind of catch some things. But it's interesting. So let's look back real quick about where we have been. So week one, Tom introduced us to this sermon series, and he talked about hope and death. And I got to tell you that Tom has, he shared a sentence that in nearly all my years of going to church, I don't know if I've ever heard a sentence from a sermon be repeated and remembered by so many of us as what that sentence was. And I bet you're going to remember it when I started. And he asked us, if I really believe what I say I believe, so Jesus is alive and we can live. Second week, if you remember, Phil did a great job. He talked about hope deferred and gave us a couple of uh, stories from the Bible. But my biggest takeaway was that hope and victory is not just in the teachings. It's not just in the words on the scripture. It's in the hope and it's in the fact that Jesus died and he rose again. I remember how passionately he talked about that right down here in the center aisle. That that's really what it is. It's not just about some words. Lots of religions have those words. Third week, Charlie came in and he talked about hope in the church. You remember about hope in the church, and he talked, my big takeaway, how we can stand in the gap, and how the church has got to be on the offensive. We're not in a defensive mode. Then we've had Tim talk about hope and relationships. Other Tim, just this morning, reminded us that it's about hope of a relationship with Jesus, and you're going to see that's where I land. And then last week, Kathy talked about hope in delusionment. So I'm hoping that you will, and my prayer is that you will kind of see how these things are all mixed together. So 
Today, I'm going to take us, and we're going to talk about lamenting leading to hope. And it wasn't very far past June 26th when I decided this is where I'm going, Vandaloon, seriously. This is your first opportunity to teach to your gang. This is the first time you get to teach at third. This is the first time, and you're going to Lamentations? What a bummer chapter in the Bible. That's, where, why would you go there? Well, it's, I've been led to some different books. And one of them is a book by Lisa Terkurst. If you're a reader, I would highly recommend, I'll get the other ones up here. It's called, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. And at the beginning part of this book, she talks about that we're living between two gardens. The perfection that was the Garden of Eden before sin. And now we live in the world of all the stuff going on because of sin. And then eventually, if you look in Revelations, we have the Garden of Eden is restored. And so we're in this in-between time. And, and, you know, we all know and we've all experienced. I mean, it, it's common sense tells us, okay, the last six months we've had COVID. We've had questions. We've had, we've had doubts. We've had fears. We've had, do you do this? Do you don't do that? Who do I believe? Where do I go? What do I listen to? Who am I doing that? We've had racial divide. We've had riots. We've had, you know, we've got a country that seemingly is being pulled from all sorts of different directions. Then on a much more personal note, and this is really why I went this direction, our family has some dear friends that live up in Minnesota, Mark and Ann. And it was actually uh, the weekend that my son got married. And we got word that she had had her baby, but there were some complications. And Mark and Ann, after just a couple of days with their baby, boy Cooper, he went to be with Jesus. And what was amazing and what really got me thinking about lamenting was that Ann through that process, and even still today, is a powerful and gifted writer that she has shared some of her deepest thoughts. And you know, as we all sit here today, and as the institutions and the things that we think we know or we thought we knew are crumbling, whether that's the education system, whether that's the government system, whether that's the business world, whether things either seem to be or they have crumbled or they're certainly changing. And then through all this, kind of walking on the fringes with Mark and Ann, all the stuff going on in the world. It's been interesting to kind of follow on Facebook, on Twitter, just different formats, people sharing some beautiful, beautiful passages and verses of hope. I mean, I've been so blessed by some of those, and they're, they're just awesome. But one kind of struck me as really interesting, and it kind of set the stage because I saw something in a Christian bookstore that I thought, that doesn't seem to add up. So I'm going to ask you to just kind of mentally picture this with me. Probably could have had the tech team come up with a picture, but I'm going to have you do a little mental exercise. So I want you to imagine in your own mind this beautiful, quaint little English cottage. In the mountains, you can see the stream. You can kind of see the trees, the blue, blue sky, calm and peaceful. And then it was interesting because this photograph in the Christian bookstore had this passage underneath. It's from Leviticus, or excuse me, Lamentations. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Oh, that's good. But 
That is probably as far from the reality of what was going on when Jeremiah wrote that as what could possibly be. Let me help you set the stage a little bit so you get a clearer picture of what's really went on. All of what had happened was there had been a 30-month siege on Jerusalem by King Nebuchadnezzar. And the people were trapped in Jerusalem. Nobody in, nobody out. And there was starvation. There was no... uh, And the long siege really just began a slow march to death. And it didn't matter who you were, whether you were a leader or a priest or the youngest or the oldest, most of the people were dying because they couldn't find food. Most people were bartering away all their worldly possessions just to see if they could buy some food. Children were dying from hunger. Even worse, cannibalism had taken over. And I'm not trying to be over-the-top graphic, but it's just the realities of the picture. Parents were eating their dead children because there was no food. Rape, torture, murder. People were slaughtered in the streets. That, that is the true picture of the verse when he writes, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. So my question as we get started this morning, what about you? Where are you at? Where are you at when life's worst moments? One of the songs we just talked about, it talked about when the walls are coming in. When life doesn't seem to add up. When the pain almost strangles you. What are you doing? Do you know how to lament? As I said, there's a couple of these books. In addition to the one, uh, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, there's another one that I'd so strongly recommend. Man, is this good. It's by Dane Ortland. It's called Gentle and Lowly. But the best part of the title is this, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. And then the one that a lot of what I'm sharing with you this morning comes, it's by Mark Brogrop. It's Dark Clouds and Deep Mercy. Dark Clouds and Deep Mercy. In it, he says, his definition of lament is this, really fairly simple. Lament is a prayer in pain that leads to trust. A prayer in pain that leads to trust. Lament is the language, when you don't know what else to say, that can lead you to a place of trust. What's interesting, because I think it's, it's, it's important for us to think about, because next week Kevin's going to start us on another year. We've been talking for a year, now we're going to go another year about how do we flourish in exile. And I think we need to find a way to be authentic. If you read through, again, Anything that's going on with people that are just don't trust Christians, they don't like Christians, they don't like people, it's the, there's a, the biggest sense that they don't think we're being authentic. So there's not this magic, yes, I'm a believer, and then all of a sudden things happen. Lament is the language that moves us through our pain and ending in trust. So it's, I think it's important for us to understand, complaint to God is found all through Scripture. All through Scripture. In fact, I didn't realize this. Went and checked the guy out, and I think he's probably true. I didn't do the math part of it. But did you realize that actually over a third of the Psalms are lamenting in their format? And actually, when you look at it, it's actually an act of hope. Lamenting is an act of hope because really what we're doing is that we're saying, I trust you, God. I know you got this. We're hoping that there is a solution. Lament is also admitting that you can't handle it, that I can't handle it. Gang, if we could handle our sufferings, if we could handle our pain, we wouldn't need Jesus. Lamenting is how we grieve as those who have hope. So I think 
that we sincerely as a church need to learn how to grieve. And, and again, Karen Cleveland, a Christian counselor, and we have several that worship with us, I think she would agree with this, but the church is not very good at this. We're not very good at lamenting. And I think that we need to figure out how to do it because what happens is if we don't know how to process our disappointments, the devil will use that little bit of an in into our hearts. If we don't pray our deepest feelings, we're giving the devil an open door. And so what's, I think, important also for us to say, so, side note, I'm not saying, as we do so often from this stage, I'm not saying Christian counseling isn't important or it doesn't have its place, but I'm saying I think we need to learn to lament. And maybe even more critically, I've always wanted to do this. Here's my umbrella of mercy. <laughs> Gang, can I just say that our best intentions sometimes when others in our life are grieving can sometimes be sort of hurtful, if not really hurtful. We say, we're trying to say the right things. We're trying to, you know, come up with a, a piece of scripture that's just going to hit a home run and make them feel better. I'm going to perhaps suggest that rather than trying to say the right thing, saying nothing, but being willing to stand in the gap for your friend and prayer a, pray a prayer of lamenting on their behalf for whatever they're going through. So lament kind of has a general format that you will find, and I'm going to kind of run through some of these things because I think it will be how we can learn how to do it. So typically you will find that, first of all, you turn in pain to God. You don't go the other direction. You don't go to Facebook. You don't go to the coffee shop. You turn in your pain, and you go to God, and you bring him your concerns. And in fact, some might even say, if you read through Psalms, a lot of times it's bring him your complaints. The next thing is that you ask boldly, and then the last thing is that you choose to trust, which leads to praise. So what I think I can summarize very generally, for many of us, we live in one of two ditches, one of two camps. One is, life is good, I'm going to just suck it up, I'm all right. No matter what's going on, it's all good. Or you have the other camp, who, no matter what's going on, oh my, there's no way this is going to turn out. We're like Debbie Downers on steroids. I think that God is inviting us to lament. So this morning, I'm going to have us go through, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to encourage you to turn to Psalm 13. Psalm 13, I chose this one basically because it's short. And I think we can learn a lot of the pattern and we can see. So I'm going to read through this with, with you if you would. So Psalm 13 starts out, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy over me, triumph over me, excuse me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give me light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. Here's the critical verse. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. So David turns and asks four times, how long? How long? So my encouragement as you think about lamenting is to turn. How long, Lord, 
Are we going to have this racial issue? How long? How long, Lord, do I have to be in pain because I've lost a loved one that I wasn't expecting? You pick whatever it is. Bring it to God. Because here's what I think about. Again, I keep going back to what Tim was sharing on his message about David. David knows. Many of us know certain things. We know certain things are true, but we also don't sense that they're lining up quite right. We know that God is sovereign, but yet we live in a hard world. And we know that hard isn't necessarily bad, but yet hard is still hard. Here's the beauty. Lament acknowledges both. Lament acknowledges both. Okay, I know there's somebody here that would be just like me sitting in the pew going, yeah, Vandaloon, but, 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 wait, 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 wait. Doesn't it say in Philippians 4 that we are supposed to rejoice always? Yes, absolutely. But keep reading in Philippians because it's how do we get there? It doesn't just, it gets there because we have a relationship and we bring them to Jesus. We have a relationship and we get them to Jesus. So let me be very clear also on this one thing. I am not giving you or myself permission to just vent your self-centered anger or rage to God. I keep thinking as I've kind of processed this, many of us who have worshipped here a long time have heard Kevin tell the story many times about his friend who was a priest, who when he would pray, he literally would go to the cross at his front of his church, and he would literally lay on the ground and wrap his arms physically around the cross. I want that picture to stick with you. I want that picture to stick with you as you lament. So we've got God is good, but life is hard, Enter lament. And here's kind of the reality. The promises that we know from Scripture that are true, but yet sometimes we have to believe those through tears. And again, I'm going to share something from my friend Anne. She writes a blog, everyone allowed, not really a blog, it's on their, her uh, Caring Bridge page. And this one just came out in the last week or two. So we're a couple of months into the process of grieving, losing a little child, a little baby. This is what Anne writes, sometimes hope and joy and trust don't look like what you'd expect. It's making a fist, it's clenching your jaw, it's raw determination to keep saying amen, so be it. It's an act of worship to keep believing the things you've known to be true in the past and it's a conscious choice to have faith that they are still true today. So while my spirit grinds, pounds its fist, I'll keep saying to God, seasons change and you remain the same. You hate this too. You weep too. You are faithful. You are still good. So step number one, turn to God. David in our Psalm 13 passage, many times he turns to God with his problem. He doesn't run away. And, and one of the, I found a quote. I, does anybody else love Bob Goff? Bob Goff's a great 
speaker, author. He's, he's awesome. I don't even know if this quote fits perfectly to what I'm trying to say, but it was just so good I had to find a way to put it in. I do think it fits. This is what Bob Goff says. He says, the way we deal with uncertainty, and I'll take liberty to say pain, disappointment, you fill in the blank, says a lot about whether Jesus is ahead of us leading or just behind us carrying our stuff. So where is your Jesus? Is he your shepherd leading you beside quiet waters? Or is it, come on, Jesus, bring the pizza, let's go, bring the stuff. So what's powerful about a lament is that it goes as deep in the pain as it does in the promise. And what happens is when you line those two up and unite them together, that, that is where we have fuel for endurance. Pain, deep, and painful. We're in this side of the restored Eden. But we also have promises. So instead of, gang, just saying, I'm okay, it's okay, I'm okay, life's good, hanging in there, or living in a state of long-term deep despair, can I encourage you to take it to God? Invite him into your pain. Second step about in lamenting, you see in verse 3 and 4, where it says that we are to ask boldly. You need to know the promises of the Bible. We hear that almost every week. You probably have heard that almost every week. Anytime you've gone to church. You need to be a promise collector. And it's interesting because I am really bad at memorizing. That's why I never get any parts in any plays on stage because I can't remember I can't memorize stuff so I have I went old school sorry anybody under the age of 40 I went old school I got index cards and so what I've done is I have written passages I take these every they're start, I take them in my backpack I take them to work I look at them every morning I look at them if I got time at work there are times where I've sat at a stoplight and I'm sitting there looking at them. you got to know the promises because when you know the promises you can merge them to the pain so when the trials come, we're ready. So we're going to turn, we're going to complain, we're going to ask, and then we're going to trust. Verse 5 is the big shift. Look at verse 5 with me. But I trust in your unfailing love. Or if you look at the Lamentations verse, right before the chapter of verse 22, where in 21 it says, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. There's always a pivot. In a lament, there's always a pivot. God, this is where I'm at. This is my pain. This is where I'm feeling bad. This is whatever it is. But there's always a but. There's always a but God steps in. Alicia Brooksford, great friend of mine. Many of you know her as well. Gifted author, speaker, lover to death. She tells this great story. When she had younger kids, she would volunteer at the elementary school, and then she would take the one young child out and try to teach them to how to read in the hallway. And she had this one rather over-the-top, rambunctious kind of a little guy, first grader, and we can all kind of picture that in our head. And she would try to help him read, and he would, every time, he would say, I don't know that word, but I know how to whistle. You want to hear me? They'd go a little bit longer. I don't know that word, but I know how to tie my shoe. You want to see me? Again, we were asked this morning, 
What can we learn from David? How about that little? What can we learn from the faith of a child? God, I don't know, but I do know. Finally, if you look at verse 5 and 6, I will sing. So we start in a pit, and we end in praise. We can say to the enemy, even in this, even in this, praise God from whom all blessings flow. That, gang, that is how we go from lament to hope. Real quickly, before I finish up, just a few thoughts on how you complain. Give you some guidelines. Kind of touched on a few of them already, but the first one is humbly. Don't bring a proud or demanding heart that believes it's owed something to God. Come with your pain, not your pride. Secondly, pray the Bible. If you don't know what to pray, whether you're standing in the gap or in your own situation, just fill in the blanks as you read through Psalm 13 or many of the other Psalms with whatever your situation is. Let that be your guide as far as how to pray. Third is just to be honest with God. He wants a relationship with you. Be like David over in the desert, learning about what God says about you and who God is. That's my encouragement to us. And then finally, don't just complain. We don't lament for the sake of getting stuff off our chest. We do it so that we can bring our eyes back to God. Don't get stuck. I hope you hear this. Don't get stuck in the complaint. So, no more faking it. No more denying our pain exists. I think we can get to a place of flourishing in exile. So here's kind of the bottom line as I kind of wrap things up. I thought this whole morning was going to be about lament, and I've tried to teach you a little bit about that because I do think it's important. But here's what God's really put on my heart, is that lamenting only comes and is only really, really, truly possible when you have a relationship. When I think about I can share things with my wife, Lisa, that I'm not sharing with anybody else because I've got a relationship. And gang, if, if all you have for a relationship are some words on a page like Phil told us, as great as they are, as good of guidelines as they are to live, that's not where it's at. If all you got are some great lines from some songs that you can remember, that's not it either. It's in a relationship. And it's, it's interesting because my question to us this morning is, have we, through all of this, taken our eyes off Jesus? Remember the story of Jesus walking on water, Peter gets out of the boat, he's doing great, until he takes his eyes off Jesus and he sinks. Could that be us? Could that be us? So there's another, one last quote that I will, and this is no exaggeration. This quote I ran across several months ago, and it literally has changed the whole course of my relationship with Jesus. It's by Jill Briscoe. She's a wonderful gal, got a really sweet English accent. And this is her quote. Sit on the steps of your soul where nobody goes and have a conversation with Jesus. 
And that's my challenge to each and every one of us. <clears throat> so as we wrap up, gang, we've heard this from Kevin for years. I think it's probably more true now than ever. Gang, we cannot just play church. Your relationship, we can't just play church. We need a deep, lasting, loving relationship with Jesus. So, <clears throat> I'm going to read a few of these cards that I have collected, a few of the promises, and I, my hope is that you will just have a piercing from the Holy Spirit of some of the truths. So I'm going to invite you just mentally to sit on the steps of your own soul as we look and listen to what promises God has given to us. <clears throat> Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. The Lord himself goes before you and be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. I keep my eyes always on the Lord with him at my right side. I will not be shaken. <laughs> Before I was born, the Lord called me. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Friends, do you know him? I've sat in those pews for years. I knew the words on the page. I knew the words of the song. Do you know him? Take some time. My encouragement during this next song, take some time to sit on the steps of your soul. Have a conversation with Jesus. Be real. He's longing for a relationship with you. You can trust him. Do you know him? <clears throat>